I think the teacher saw something in me, also saw that I didn't understand that, and kind of one day, like, grabbed me by my face and was like, kid, you gotta get out of here! <laughs> you gotta get out of here! To Did I Do That? It's a show about the mistakes that we make on the way to <laughs> making graphic design. Why am I reading this like I've never read it before? It's. <laughs> have. Have. I. <sighs> what a fucking awful way to start the show. I think it's great. Okay. Oh, you're doing great. All right. It's a show about the mistakes we make on the way to making graphic design because. Because it is all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a wonderful person, a Los Angeles-based designer. He's a creative lead at Apple Music. Previously have the pressure of Nike. Has his own podcast called Dope Excerpts. And he did an event here for many years called The Spelling Bee. And I believe you have another Spelling Bee that you're doing in, in L.A. soon, if I am recalling correctly. You're recalling correctly. It is Adam Garcia. Hi, Adam. Hey, Sean. I almost forgot to say your name. <laughs> Because I got so into reading the card. I threw I for the for the guests at home, I threw the card David Letterman style and it attacked me. It flew back and it hit me in the shoe. Like a boomerang. It flew kind of across the kind of across the room. There's not much room for it to fly across, it, it is the or, problem. It orbited downwards like an axe and I believe stabbed your your calf. Yeah. So yeah. this foot is just done, unfortunately, which is it took sad. Clean off. Yeah, you know, That's like disgusting. I should probably get it looked at Can't after the security guy. Hey, the security guy is he have like a first aid kit or anything? <laughs> he has a first date kit. Oh. Um, you know, just That's like chocolates his... if you need um flowers for the corsage. It's mainly teenagers' first dates. Yeah. So in the nineteen fifties in television shows, he's holding up a little wrapped chocolate towards you and waving it towards <laughs> your your bloody foot. <laughs> I sorry, I'm lactose intolerant. He's lact- hey, he's lactose intolerant. Yeah, thank you, Gabe. He just, uh, yeah, he just gave a big shrug and turned back towards the door. <laughs> he looks so sad. Yeah, um, he, I think he should be sad. Well, yeah, I mean, he's trying to force chocolates upon me. He knows. He knows. We've had this discussion. I don't want to do kisses to you, Gabe. Not today, Gabe. I like chocolate. <laughs> He's pretending that well, I'm not here now. I've got the card still if you want to remove that foot. Dealer's choice. <laughs> um, what a dumb show this is. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you were in town for a rather large event that we host here in the PSU Graphic Design Program called Be Honest. We've done a lot of them. I think this is number 14? 13. 13? Yeah. That's oh, good. Kate, Lucky Kate, number 13. Kate said 13 yesterday. I think- Or have there been 13 would, before and this was the 14th last we night? Have, I feel like we have this experience every year where we don't remember how many of them we've done. Sounds like someone's not being honest. It's very difficult, too, when you are this tired. This is our first in-person event really in i guess technically three years because the last one was in 2019 the students fucking blew my mind how good they were like these are students who've never been to an event like this before either and yet they like they took their little three feet of table space a absolutely microscopic amount of table space (laughs) and they turned it into the coolest thing i mean walking in and i've been to be honest before um 
Um, I've had you've, the, you've been a presenter at Be Honest. Been before. a presenter, and we had the honor of teaching at PSU before. And I know the process, and I also know the kind of energy that is set here. And, and I, I think it comes from the faculty out. I mean, people Absolutely. like you and Kate, and especially and Jason, Kate. Um, you know, Liz and Briar, and like all the um, the the axles of the. The, I'm not good at car metaphors, so I'm <laughs> let, forget I said axles. Car, I don't, car turning part. The maybe. axles of the uh, <laughs> the the undercarriage. You are the undercarriage <laughs> of the Ford F-150. That is the PSU. Ooh, we're beefy boys. That's a truck, right? I believe so. What a I look forward reference. to finding out that I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I knew the energy that was being set, and I and that's why I love to be a part of it. I mean, selfishly, I also receive energy <laughs> from these events. Like, I, I leave incredibly excited and inspired by the students and the conversations, and knowing that there are dozens and dozens of people that are in the midst of beginning this part of their life. I, yeah. I don't know. It's the kind of energy that I never want to let go. So being able to tap into it, be a part of it, help if I can, but I also get stuff from it. And, you know, the energy of the students being there and seeing the work and having them talk about work, I, I get stuff from it too. So thanks. Thanks to all the students. It's I, I like I, I second that emotion. Like it is so... It's watching them take their first steps out into the real world of design where they're going to be with people who aren't just their classmates. Although... In this town, most people are the classmates yeah. in some way or another. Um, it's so it's so beautiful, and they execute at such a high level, like it's remarkable. Yeah, and they have a lot of tools that are very specific to this place. Been to schools in other cities, and there's always a certain kind of context that is created by that city, that school, that faculty, that environment. Uh, we are products of where we are and the people that we are around. And as students, like you can sense that here, that no matter what intentions students have, and no matter what kind of work or what kind of thesis project or what kind of conversations that they want to have, there's still a through line of a certain energy that is like only here. Yeah. And it's really special. There's also a lot of Rizzo printing. Oh, so <laughs> much. Uh, there is uh, There was uh, an avalanche of beautiful dithered Rizzo ink <laughs> on... Uncoated stock, <laughs> um, and that's something. Honestly, like that doesn't exist anywhere. So no. that ends up being this weird byproduct of being here. Is that everyone ends up having this pretty special experience with like print material and tactile objects? You know, yesterday I was seeing all this, and I was trying to think about what that ends up meaning to the experience of students. For example, I was talking to a student yesterday, and the project was in kind of like UX and politics, and um, the yeah, the experience of someone trying to vote, like pretty conceptual pretty thoughtful pretty relevant yeah um and next to them is someone that made a set of cards and next to them is all risograph posters and i know that those things and those different points of view are all touching each other and that is so important yeah I don't know. I, I was excited about wondering how those different POVs end up wrapping around each other and weaving together to create like this weirder kind of like a gestalt of thought that is this <laughs> generation of students graduating from PSU. It's super special. I don't know. It was very, very cool. I agree completely. Like, And I, I think in the class that Kate Bingham-Bert, past guest, and I teach, A&D projects, uh, I, I like to think that we are sort of a place that nurtures that like you know in a way like we are trying to get everybody's weird to come out everybody's passions to come out and turn into 
usually an event because that's the main thing <laughs> we mm-hmm. do. Uh, you know, we we're we're you know we're like the the carpenter who has a hammer. Uh, and so everything looks like a nail. I don't think I got that metaphor correct really at all because then that's just a hammer who's just a guy with a hammer who's just walking around hitting things, just everything. And I don't – I think that would probably be considered a crime in most cases. Um, Sounds like right. If I were to walk into the CVS and just say, no, I want lower prices on Sudafed and just hit it in order to make it lower, I think they would probably remove me from the store. Gabe the bouncer would come and yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he needs to go to CVS and get a first aid kit is what he needs to get. <laughs> I mean, there's a great coupon for one in the very, very long receipt that they give you when you check out. There <laughs> you go. Uh, one dollar off. What does CVS stand for? Do you know the... Um, I assumed that it was originally called CBS and then they got sued by mm-hmm. the Columbia Broadcasting They're Service. Like, what what kind of sounds like a B? Quick, you... quick, think. Yes. You can't w, get... W, No. Hey, not at all. Uh, v? Yes. V. Yeah. I, they were just getting too many walk-ins, people looking like, hey, do you guys have a young Sheldon? Really looking for young Sheldon. So, Hi, do you have y'all, young Sheldon? I don't know what that is. Is it a TV show? So there was a very bad TV show called The Bing Bang Theory that you may oh, you may know about because it was on the air for 400 years. Yeah, yeah. Even though it seems like no one ever watched it <laughs> that you've ever talked to except for people who were forced to on planes. That was not, it's like a hugely popular oh, show. Oh, hugely. It was the... I believe the number one show on television yeah. for many cool years. Sh- it seemed like a pretty cool show too. It, I don't think it was as bad as some other things that have been in that vein. Like yeah. I, I almost would rather watch something like that than a. And this is going to be blasphemy. I'm sorry, young listeners. I would rather watch that than a Friends. Think of what these things represent in culture. Yeah, yes. Friends. Something like, I don't know, Friday Night Lights, great storytelling. I'm not a huge sports fan, but as far as the stories it's telling, pretty cool, pretty well done. Absolutely. Friends. <sighs> so many, like, culture critique breakdowns and unpackings are done around Friends already. But as far as what it means, what it reinforces, the people that it represents, no offense to Friends. <laughs> versus something like a Big Bang Theory or, like, Community, where you have oh, a diverse, sure. relatively diverse group of people talking about things that aren't those super core, blanket, very general default capitalist American white yeah. things. Like I'm like, okay, Big Bang Theory is glorifying nerddom in a pretty cool way, yeah. even though it's still commodifying and making that super popular. Like, still cool. Friends Science. had no people of color, famously. Yeah. Phoebe was, I thought Phoebe was part cat. <laughs> well, now we just have to sing the Smelly Cat song. A purr, purr, sin of color. Smelly cat, smelly cat. I like Phoebe. What She's my favorite. are they feeding? Phoebe is the best character. No. Why was the show not just Phoebe? Did she never? She should have a spinoff. That would be. That would be cool. <laughs> why was that? Why was that not the spinoff? And Joey was Joey. Yo. The show that I watched that painful show. Okay, I'm gonna pitch you something. Okay. So Phoebe All spinoff. Right, pitch me. Pitch me your show. Go for it, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Here at CVS. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be next to the Sudafed, so make sure to appeal to those customers. So 
Phoebe spinoff called Phoebe. I also love the spelling. It's so Greek, the spelling of Phoebe. P-H-O-E-B-E, <laughs> Phoebe. Like, super cool name. It sounds a lot fancier than Joey, for sure. So spinoff. So imagine it's Phoebe's life. It's all about her. And it's half live action, where it's her and her life. Half different kinds of animation that are her thoughts. How cool I would that be? I want this show now so bad, like Adam. her dreams, the things when she starts talking and yes. kind of goes off and you see into her mind when she's daydreaming and kind of looking out the window. So it's like friends, but not in a creepy, surreal way, but but like surreal <laughs> and magical enough to be Phoebe's thoughts, but still feel like you can reach a pop cultural audience. And maybe there's like three different kinds of animation style. It's like 2D, then it goes to like stop motion animation. Maybe there's some other super weird kind of psychedelic <laughs> one that that would be that would be some really yellow, fun. some yellow submarine shit yeah totally shout I, out yellow submarine yes please 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 i need this show uh wait i'm the executive yeah i'll buy this show uh can you make it with cough drops <laughs> as your cameras i don't think so but that's guys, all i mean you guys you guys have you guys have cameras in the in the CVS, well, mainly to catch people yeah, who are have, trying to steal the Sudafed. No, but you have um, you have like point, point, <laughs> you have point and click cameras. We could use yeah, those that's, cameras. That's the other. That's the other component of but it. I is have to the, use cough drops. Yeah, just the the throwaway kind of thirty five millimeter cameras that you get at the film department that are just extraordinarily dusty because they were all made yeah. in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's weird that you have cameras, but you still are making me shoot it on cough drops. Well, the belief among the executives is that the future is cough drops, and they've yet to see anything to dispel that notion. And it doesn't matter that there's nothing to confirm it, because we have the cough drops. So I hear you 100%, and although it will be challenging to shoot through cough drops, I have a suggestion for you, a, a solution. If we were to shoot through cough drops, this thing will be utterly unwatchable. However... It fits in nicely with our other offerings, then. I hear you when I... The visual language of a CVS store is quite messy. I don't know if you've noticed. I, uh... I have noticed, but it's here's... starting to sound like the Mucidex guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have a suggestion. What if instead of shooting through cough drop, we'll make it look like nothing at all? What if, what if instead of that, it'll make it look like a a yellowish, a yellowish milky miasma for twenty seven minutes? What if instead, and you only hear the sound? What if instead of that? What if instead of that, we shoot on actual cameras, and at the beginning, since the future is cough drops, we do a little sponsored ad about cough drops, pretty straightforward, and then through it, we just reference cough drops a lot. It'll have the same effect, only be far easier to understand and communicate to a, to a big audience. You're pitching some wild stuff at me, Adam. I, as the Mucinex guy, I'm really, I'm all about the snot. You know this. That's my name. I, Don't wear it out. It's on, yeah, the name's on your desk right there. It is. You can see it. I got it made. It is a little coded, and I'm glad that you can see through the coding. Uh, but if you want to make this, I would say, very experimental television program, I can't say no to it. Because I have this terrible hacking cough. <laughs> if only I had something to quell my aching cough. Sudafed. That's me, the Mucinex guy for Sudafed. Back to you. I am interested in seeing the Mucinex expanded cinematic universe of all the characters, the friends, family, nemeses of the main 
booger goblin yeah. person. I would who's, love to see that world. Who's his central nemesis? Fucking Kleenex. No, I, I, I wonder if we take the brands out of it. I, I like <laughs> but to, then where's the sponsorship money coming I, well, from, Adam? How are we financing this project? Product placement. But I, I, I would imagine it's, <laughs> it's like a, a witch. I think Ooh. she might be a good witch because the Mucinex guy's kind of a piece of shit. He's kind of <laughs> like a he's kind of like a Batman villain. I you mean, know, like, yeah, he's he's Clayface, but with snot. He's on like face. a cigar smoking. Uh, he's probably like a cigar smoking like guy that would sell you a car and charge you way too much money, like his used car. Yeah, and then his enemy would be a good witch, and imagine this tall, androgynous, beautiful, mystical being that is dressed in a gown made of nasal tissue. And when she walks, <laughs> it kind of flows... It's soft, fibrous texture blowing in the breeze. I'm imagining it's the Kleenex antiviral nasal tissue that has the little dots Absolutely all over it. Absolutely the antiviral. Yeah. And you can see the kind of sparkling iridescence of the antiviral material in the gown. So gorgeous. And when she talks, it sounds like a clear breath. And you can smell the soft <laughs> floral or non-scented fragrance which still smells like something <laughs> non-scented still smells like something this, so this is a film that's in smell of vision we're no, bringing whoa. it back oh john waters is licensing it just I wasn't to even us imagining it as a film at this point i'm just imagining being in <laughs> i'm just describing you want to be in this world that's how immersed you are world. i want this to be a fucking third person open world game can, <laughs> can we adapt D D rules to this absolutely our, this so is... our classes are mucinex man kleenex well, fairy princess definitely wouldn't call himself Mucinex Man. He's like Bugsy Siegel in that way. He, yeah. Oh, Bugsy. His yeah. name should be Bugsy. Bugsy. <laughs> yeah. So you have Bugsy, the main Gruesome. green snot goblin. You have uh, Mistress Tishua or whatever, the like tissue, the tissue witch. What if she's got like... I like composite beings like minotaurs and centaurs and mermaids. Maybe Absolutely. she's got a huge like partner that's like a sidekick that's this massive like hulked out gentle beast of a man. Can I make a suggestion? I would love a suggestion. The Red Bull himself. The Red Bull? Yes. I love it. The yeah. Vermilion Minotaur. Yeah. The, the taurine. The word taurine comes the, from the word bull. T-A-U-R. Does it? Yeah. That makes sense. Because supposedly it has like some kind of um, bull related... Like, I'm not joking. It has, like, some kind of bull. <laughs> this is true. There's, uh, yeah. there's two ounces of bull semen in every can it's of... It's supposed uh, to be something bull-related in taurine. That's true. I was trying to find food yesterday, and probably two blocks away from where we were was the regional headquarters of Red Bull. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Wow. So I imagine somewhere in the garage, there's those little oh, BMW yeah. minis that have the back removed and have the giant cans of Red Bull installed so they can go to college campuses and yeah. hand out Red Bull to an audience that absolutely does not need Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. They have so much energy already. Those slightly tilted up cans on the back look like cannons. Yeah, they are. They, they Do have they a, shoot anything? If they were smart, they sure would. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is a sort of circus arrangement where there's a clown that can hop in and has like a Red Bull themed outfit mm -hmm. and then fires out and uh, goes across the Grand Canyon because they also love stunts. Yeah, they love being extreme. Extreme. Like hops on a mountain bike and just does a flip and Tony Hawk is ripping off the mask and it's him all along. Yeah. I just watched Current the, day Tony Hawk. I just watched the Tony Hawk documentary. I, oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, I do. It was really good. I'm not a skateboarder. I know I look super cool, and I and people see me, and they're like, you hey, do. hey, do you skateboard? Oh, all the time. Um, 
<laughs> I don't skateboard at all. Last time I was on a skateboard was in, I think, the 1980s, and I fell and hit my head on a fire hydrant, and uh, I haven't touched the oh, skateboard Jesus. since. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's um, the, worst, the worst possible fall. Yeah. But my girlfriend has become a skateboarder over the pandemic, and she's, like, very good. Um, like doing doing flips and stuff? Uh, I mean, she can do, she do, like, an ollie. But she does, That's like, hard. you know, in L.A., she's, she's like, a she was a part of, like, a, a skateboard. <laughs> I call it a, a gang, a skateboard gang, and she's like, she's like, it's not a gang. Sure, I they think... they go to to diners on you know kind of empty stretches of road and you know terrorize a diner with Absolutely. their skateboards. Yeah, they they rip through and doing jumps, stealing milkshakes <laughs> off people's tables. Yeah, and then Pee Wee Herman shows up and accidentally knocks over all their skateboards and has to do a dance. Hey, those are our skateboards you knocked over, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> They're slightly scratched now. You scraped, you scraped up my grip tape, Pee Herman. <laughs> That's what my girlfriend sounds like. That's what her voice sounds like. So she's gone full skateboarder then. Full uh, in skateboarder. Yeah. yeah, it is incredibly intimidating. Yeah, Tony Hawk's voice is now just it. It truly has just become one of the good fellas. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> It's best not to think about I'm it. I'm gonna be this completely show. honest. My mind keeps wandering back to what Phoebe's from Friends's spinoff <laughs> show, what the animation styles would be like. Did you watch Thirty Rock? Of course. Okay, I've been know, watching a lot of that recently. Us too. Yeah. So uh, there's the Thirty Rock where you see through Kenneth's eyes and everyone's Muppets. Uh huh. <laughs> Very pretty good one Muppets. My, I think it's one of my favorite. Liz doing her yeah. her hopping. Like and then, one of my favorite episodes of television ever is the episode where you see through Kenneth's eyes and everyone's Muppets. Um, and <laughs> I think that's also the episode where you see, like, Jack is standing on the stage and then you see in a camera, like, what Jack thinks of himself and it's just <laughs> young, uh, young Alec Baldwin. It's so funny. At his most handsome. There's something about that, though. There's something about, as a story, the idea of saying, we have all these different characters and, yes, they have their own lives, but their perspectives can almost be a totally different paradigm of storytelling. And I love that. Like, imagine Kenneth has a spinoff show and it's yes, all Muppets. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. you see, it's like his life and it's all Muppets. Oh and then, I mean, and that would be... Well, he's amazing, so I would miss that. But that's, to me, like the Phoebe thing that would be so cool is just the incredible unfolding like storytelling opportunities of playing with style and playing with different kinds of stories through this person's lens would be so fun. I, it got a little serious there, but I how want cool it. Would that be? I want it yeah. so badly. Yeah. Instead, we got Mr. Mayor. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone wanted that. Is that Ted Danson's thing? That's the Ted Danson one that's... Yeah. I, maybe it's gotten better, but I watched the pilot and I felt very sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's been, not what I want. Ted Danson's been rocking for a minute. He's he. I loved him. I loved him so much in The Good Place. It's such a magical performance. But that's such a different style of humor than the rock yeah. style of humor. Doesn't quite work. Doesn't yeah. quite work. I don't feel like. Maybe it's good now. If it's good, send me an email. My email address is um, Toledo Jones at aol.edu send me an email you're toledo jones <gasps> i can't believe i outed myself like that okay question i want to bring a full circle okay real quick. yes speaking of names monikers aliases pseudonyms uh nom de plumes or nom de teachings uh-huh so the uh, mucinex man <laughs> so earlier you we were talking about the name schumacher and I was like, oh, that's a shoemaker. And then you were joking and said, no, I make fun of shoes. I'm yes. Shoemaker. Um, I mock them. I mock them. Like how imitation crab is a mockery of real crab. Yeah, my man may mock a moccasin. 
Um, so obviously that is archaic, right? Like that the idea of us having names yes. that have to be definitive because it was a different time and mediums were different. That was hundreds of years ago when you'd be like, you make shoes? Well, your name's Shoemaker, you son of a bitch. Yeah. You know, like it's an archaic thing. And now we all have the remnants of those names that say a lot about who we used to be in human history. Your name may be what you did. It may be where you're from. So your name might be like, oh, my name's uh, Jennifer Green. Field. Uh, why? Because I guess I was, you know, from a green field. <laughs> Duh. Uh, and then you have, uh, and then you have, yeah, you know, it's usually a, where you're from. It's who you are. Their titles and their roles. There are things that help define you. Like now, we have LinkedIn now, so we don't need those things. The, and then you the have social a social network of the future. Exactly. Let's all pivot to LinkedIn. But there is something really interesting. Well, maybe this isn't really interesting. I was no, just, I, was just I trying to set assure it up. you, it's. I mean, we've been talking about the music band imagine, for forty minutes. Imagine now if we were named the things that we do now as surnames. Oh God! So then, in two hundred so years, hyphenates. in two hundred years, <laughs> you have people that are like, "Yeah, my name's uh, a- Aloysius." web developer and it's like spelled weird you know because in the future it'd be spelled weird because things always like change over time and shit of course and um you'd be like where'd you get the name web developer and they'd be like ah it's like w b d l v p e e e e r something web developer and like what is that like i don't know it's just the name and he'd be like i think it might be like back in the day people's names were what they did before before the robots came over yeah came over the world yeah before the before our machine overlords were here yeah and all we did were their fuel cells, but back back in the day we had <laughs> we had jobs that we did, and I bet with developer was your job. And then someone else that's like a smarty pants would be like, back in the day there was something called the web, it's the internet, and developers were the people that helped create the internet. And I should know, my name is Tiberius Influencer. And they'd be like, even though I am an utter peon and a piece of shit, my <laughs> my ancestors had hundreds of thousands of what they called followers. <laughs> Oh, like a cult leader from a long lineage of attractive people that do dances in their homes and have hundreds of cult-like followers all over the world that watch them do these dancers responding to pop culture at a moment's notice. Such grace, such beauty, and that is why I am so live. (laughs) And also all the pranks that I do. I do pranks, too. I do pranks. That's an important part of it. I don't want to undercut this, but I think the pranks are kind of the main thing that the followers are looking for. Yeah. For for example, look down at your shoes. Hey, you, you tied my shoelaces together. Did I? Look down again. <laughs> Where are my feet? <laughs> Where the fuck are my feet? Did I? Look down again. Oh, they're back. Oh, Tiberius. they're Shaquille O'Neal's feet. So large. <laughs> This will be very inconvenient. And everyone looks up and there's a huge statue of Shaquille O'Neal. It's yeah. like a 300 foot tall statue <laughs> overlooking the battery, the, the, the fuel plaza that they're, they're all like tied together in with these weird tubes. Yeah. In his, in his costume as, what was the genie movie that he was in? Shazam? Shazam or Kazam or one of those. Kazam. I can't remember. Oh. That whole thing a couple of years ago. Was that like not true though? Well, no, that, the, uh, the not, not Shazam. that was the real one. The real one did have Shaq in it. There oh. was a, the one that people thought was real 
that wasn't was the one that had Sinbad. But his name's just Sinbad. He wasn't in a genie movie, even though that would make a lot more sense than having Shaquille O'Neal be in a genie movie where he plays the genie. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in many years. (laughs) It's probably not good. All my, yeah, all my universes of like, it's all melding together. If I were to rewatch that, I think it would be a much worse experience than rewatching Space Jam in advance of the new Space Jam, which is unwatchable. (laughs) Sorry, Space Jam. You tried. I didn't finish it. I, I don't think it's possible to finish it that when angry. it gets to the basketball sequence and it's just visual effects and you're just like why when i, I saw, can't stand this anymore i'm a huge fan of mad max fury road i just finished a book on the making of it it's interviews with hundreds and hundreds of people that behind the scenes producers and stunt people and um george miller obviously and Charlize Theron. Like everyone in it, it, it it's all it's all people that were part of it and it goes through the whole process since the 1990s when they started thinking about it wow um i also have the concept art book fantastic you get up close shots of miss tilly with her with the like world that was uh like written on her it was like all the human history oh written on her and you can see it briefly you know you just see glimpses of it and you're like oh i wonder if that's real writing she's covered with hundreds of thousands of glyphs that are writing and then in the concept art book it shows up close shots and it's like we actually wrote the history and put it on her even though we knew no one would ever see it so it's the history of their world written on this woman that you'll never see that's george lucas in in its detail but for actual purpose instead of what he does george malarian yeah (laughs) um but i'm a huge fan of fury road as a world and as an interesting like feminist bent on this pretty troped out apocalyptic desert wasteland and a very fucking good movie. I, I think it's a great movie. Anyway, there's War Boys in Space Jam 2. And I'm like, get yeah. all the fucking hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> when I see like a bunch of cartoon coyotes and then like funny, goofy space Muppet people. And in the background, I see War Boys like cheering on someone to shoot a three-pointer. Next to I'm the like, mask. I like, yeah, I like, <laughs> I almost kicked my Samsung. I was so angry. <laughs> I really, I admire the inane courage that it took (laughs) to just say this is a movie about the warner brothers cinematic universe and no one in the room said what that's not anything but yet they went we're gonna license every single character that we have in our film library no matter whether the movie was rated x or r (laughs) or clockwork orange characters there they are they're just right there next to you know Austin Powers. <laughs> All references kids are gonna love. Trust us. This is a brilliant idea. Yeah. I love, yeah, I mean, inane courage, kidding, is the most <laughs> apropos. <laughs> yes. Inane courage. Courage without purpose. Like we live in a hyper, hyper capitalist world. Like, why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> Our goal is to make as much money, and all of these other things made money, so by the transitive property, this must make us money. And I think people enter it, and they're like, they know that already. Yeah. Like, even kids now, like, people are so savvy, they understand what's going on in commercial culture to a point where people walk in and they're like, oh, I know what you're doing. Like, there's, there's kids that are like... Oh, they're trying to make money. This is their whole universe. This is all their licensed properties put together. Like, I totally get it. And like, 13-year-olds shouldn't know that. No. It's (laughs) It's almost as though it was like a really bad idea for the movie to sort of start with a business development meeting with LeBron James and the Warner Brothers executive team. A thing that children will not care about. Same thing with the new Matrix. Yeah. The thing began. It's Things are so meta. So meta. It well, and it's, began. it's all these people who are so deep in their 
spheres that like, yeah, development meetings. This is really normal. Yep. And everyone knows this. And yeah, this will just be a, a normal reference for everybody. Yeah. Very relatable. I mean, it is like, uh, I was thinking earlier when we were talking about Big Bang Theory. I mean, it lasted for a very long time. But over the course of that time, the culture that those people in the shows were espousing, that were reflecting the writers and made for the demographic that are the nerds and the science lovers and the people that feel like they're outcasts, over the course of that show became central in culture, right? Yeah. So by the end of that show, the periphery of culture had moved to the center and, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah, is the biggest thing ever. And that's so wild to think about. It's that Marvel was a company that was on the brink of collapse. Mm-hmm. Apple was a company that was on the brink of collapse. Mm-hmm. This is the specific kind of nerd that I am. I was a subscriber to Macworld Magazine. I was a big fan of McDonald's and I was a subscriber to Big Mac World Magazine. <laughs> I had a moment where I was like, please let that be a thing. And then I then I saw the joke and I love the joke. But I do also can I mean, you I I don't know if I'm a subscriber to QSR, the quick service restaurant industry magazine, okay. which is all about the quick service restaurant industry. I love those types of magazines. They are, to me, the greatest thing in the world. It's like specific trade mags. So specific, yeah. hyper specific. Like it is so hard to get an actual print project made in the year 2022. Mm-hmm. And these are still magazines that are still pumping out. But like QSR is such a such a wonderful treat to read through because it's the most inane things like it's it's like people make fun of variety for all their goofy yeah you know fake mucinex man uh entertainment industry words everything has that and i i love trying to look at that from the outside but i also love to use it as a lens to think about our field because like our field is all about reaching out to other people yeah um and it, it's just a good reminder that like the terminology doesn't matter. It's such bullshit. Yeah, I mean, we create language, right? We create like little subcultures that create their own language and business benefits from creating its own language. I remember reading this book years ago called Primal Branding. A friend of mine named Pat Hanlon wrote it in, I think, the early 2000s. And part of it, he breaks down in a pretty interesting, like, anthropological and historical way. He connects the things that human beings have always oriented themselves to, like mythology, belief systems. It gets a little religious. And they're like, this has now evolved into a capitalist space where brands and commerce have taken up this role that yeah. Those things at one point took up like those things still exist. But at one point, those things were what people believed in because we now exist in a a capitalist culture. This is kind of what people believe in now because it's the thing that keeps them going. And one of the things they were like, he's like, I remember I created a mnemonic device for myself. And he's like, it's creation myths. It's creed. It's icons. It's rituals. It's the idea of the pagan and it's sacred words. For example, at Starbucks, they created their whole new own language around sizes. So instead of (laughs) small, medium, large, or 8, 12, 16 ounces, it's tall. uh, Which of course is the smallest one you think of. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, and what they do is it's very intentional because over time you have to use their language. And then eventually you take that language, you use it other places and speak in a Kleenex, you know, it becomes the proper nounification of like a, uh, of a noun where you end up going to a different coffee shop and you're like, oh, I want a tall. And they're like, we don't have talls here. We have 12 ounces. We're not fucking Starbucks, dumbass or whatever. I feel like less and less people get corrected on that though. Of course they do because that arc has gone past starbucks yeah because people become savvy and they're like oh i don't want to do that anymore like 
that's what happens when people become inundated and start to become familiar and they're like, no, nah, I don't want to use that brand's language. I'm using this brand's language. I want to be my own brand. I am a brand. Yeah. Like everyone functions like that now. Not everyone. That's a generalization. Many people in well, capitalist society, that they function like that, think like that. Now. Absolutely. I mean, it's a big thing. Like I was thinking back as you were saying that to, there was a change, like I want to say like three years ago, Starbucks had normal menus up in their stores and then the normal menus were gone and the backboards were all just advertisements. Hmm. So there's no language anymore defining what the sizes are. You just know what the sizes are. Yeah. And that's like the weird lock-in brain just sort of happening like it's so funny that change which is like we're just in starbucks world now and they're acknowledging it <laughs> yeah and then there's the there was, there was the whole thing years ago this is already super old but i remember when they as a brand you know initially what started in seattle they have their cool two-finned mermaid which i still think is a really interesting logo it's a mermaid oh, that yeah. has two tails super weird the classical mermaid, monster though. yeah yeah like spread tail mermaid yeah. uh which is funny um, just and, getting ready to kill some sailors. Yeah, just seducing them. That's more of a siren thing, I feel like. Probably, yeah. yeah. But this the, is but, this but is but a anyway. little mermaid who will trade her voice in order to be able to walk on the land with the people. Yeah. She wants to be where the people are, drinking coffee and, you know, going to Pike's Place Market. But, but Father Poseidon, Father Poseidon, I want to be caffeinated by those smelly <laughs> roast beans with those sailors. I won't let you marry a sailor. I don't, I don't want to marry a sailor. I just want to, I just want, I want those roast beans. I want that roast bean juice. <laughs> I want that sweet Ethiopian cafe. It, it, every time I try to drink it, it just spreads out in the water in front of me. It's hard to drink, it's hard to drink coffee in the water, papa. It, it, the temperature differential is sort of there, but it's not, it dissipates very quickly. It's a little watered down, I guess, but you can you can still taste it's kind of burnt. It's I unfortunate. Bet, I bet it's not as watered down when we're not in the water, Papa. <laughs> oh, no. Bad news. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah, it won't work. No. Um... And it, but that's a remarkable thing that that mark survived so long. Oh, the mark. Yeah. I was like, I, was like, what? I think that was where was we like, were. What the <laughs> fuck are we talking about? It's I bad. love it. I'm not mad it's at it. It's so hard to keep track of where anything was in the show. Oh, actually, maybe this is a good place. Did you bring in any work or anything to talk about from your past? Or Oh. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we could, we could just, what <laughs> What do you mean? How do I show work? Yeah. I probably, I think we exchanged that email like two months oh, ago. I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> know. Fine. I'm so sorry. I didn't know there were expectations. I, uh, we could also do story. I mean, Kate didn't have any work when she was on here. She told well, a story. How do I show work? What are you talking about? It's you know an what, inherently flawed idea. I That's would... the problem. And now we're going to look at work for 30 minutes. I'm going to quiet. poorly describe work. <laughs> I would. And not critique it because it's work from 20 years ago. So what love, would be the point? I would love to describe work. Um, <laughs> would you like to describe some of the nonsense in this room? I think that would be more interesting and fruitful for yeah. a listener. What I'm looking at right now is the worst puzzle in the world. Can you guess what this puzzle might be? Worst puzzle. This is a crime, this puzzle. Worst puzzle in the world. Is it a puzzle called darkness? And all it is is... <laughs> Damn it, that would be much worse. All it is is just opaque 
zero 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 hex code. Yeah, and I think it's, Pantone and it's a does make puzzles 5, now. Thousand piece puzzle, something like that. And it's like it's like a, a Nietzschean like yeah, uh, abyss. It's called abyss. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> okay, puzzles being pulled out. Ooh, oh, this is pretty. This looks hard. This is a harmful puzzle. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at hundreds and hundreds. I'm looking at a photo looking down on like a table full of layers of hundreds and hundreds of black and white six-sided dice with a couple colored dice scattered throughout, maybe like eight and one round one round die. I don't know how the fuck that works. <laughs> yeah, this looks really hard. So I am from, originally from Texas until I was uh, like six months old then i moved to minnesota with my mom and i lived in rochester minnesota for most of my formative young years the age of 15 i moved to st paul minnesota i lived in st paul for a couple years went to high school in st paul which is the the capital of minnesota and uh, it was an incredible experience i then moved to minneapolis where i spent the next 10 years very very formative years st paul was a pretty incredible city Uh, st paul is far more diverse than a lot of people would think it's connected to minneapolis creating the larger amalgam the twin cities which is a large metropolitan area. If Um, they touch their fists together and say what form of animal or water they want to turn into, they mm -hmm. can do that. Yeah, and if they were an animal, they would be a loon, and if they were water, they would be the Mississippi River. Uh, (laughs) And on the side Form of of the Mississippi River. (laughs) The rushing... Oh, God! (laughs) So when you were in St. Paul, was that sort of where you found design originally? I'm going to give this back to you. I don't know what to do with it. It's like handing a pizza box to someone. It's like that big. Pizza and puzzle, similar words. Interesting. Yeah. Two Zs? What else has two Zs? I mean, pizza in a way is its own puzzle because it's little different pieces. That pizza could totally fit be a together puzzle. in a specific way. Yeah. Unlike what the Domino's delivery driver told my parents once. The delivery driver had definitely taken a piece out of the pizza, and we were told we were gaslit by the Domino's yeah. <laughs> company that, oh no, it probably just shifted around in transit. Yeah. That's really funny. Normal pizzas don't necessarily turn into a circle all the way. That's really normal. Uh, it means uh, it means you're lucky. You're lucky when a piece is missing. Yeah, it's yeah, a- yeah. It's it, this is a special commemorative Pac-Man pizza yeah, for Pac-Man's third anniversary. Yeah, yeah blessings on your home. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Just to add I, may may we all get the big dot in the corners to allow us to eat all the ghosts in our lives. <laughs> Let them turn into eyeballs that move back to their central sort of box that they live in. I love imagining that there's a a pseudo religion that worships Pac-Man. All we need to get that started is the gritty Pac-Man reboot where we get to see someone become the Pac-Man and devour the ghosts. Yeah. And the ghost eyeballs just go back to the ghost cube. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) It's the Mucinex man. (laughs) I approve this message. I'm also running for president in 2027. There's not an election that year, but um, but yeah. So d- 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 <laughs> <laughs> now I might now try to get it back on track. Swinging back around. I've wasted so much time. Swinging back around. Um, but you you got started in in design in your St. Paul days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I went to a high school called Roseville Area High School in Roseville, Minnesota, which is a suburb of St. Paul, so I would commute out there. And uh, for some reason back in the day, and this was the late 
90s, like mid to late 90s. There was a teacher there and his name escapes me. But this dude was a graphic designer and he created like the nation's best graphic design curriculum in a high school. Really? And it was in our school and I didn't know it at the time. Um, so we had access to like screen printing and all these. All, he had all the software for us. He was basically like the future is in the web and design. Oh, shit. And, and this is like 96, 97. So just like super prescient. Like... Super prescient. Yeah. We had like a bumper sticker maker and vinyl oh cutters and vinyl, like all this crazy shit. So it was just something that we were doing. And at the time I was making music and I was in a dance group. So the first thing that I was doing was like, oh, I could make shirts for the dance group. I could make us posters. I could make us bumper stickers and I could do it all in the lab. So after, oh after school, I wasn't even in his classes. I don't think, I think I just went after school and would hang out and he'd let me use the software. And mm. I'm like, I need to do this. Like it was purely practical. I didn't want to be a designer at the time did you like like, even really know what that was no i mean i knew graffiti magazines and seeing that i knew scumbags that were (laughs) i knew semi-professional felons that that were making their own trade mags like qsr or Waterworld for other semi-professional felons um and i'm like wait if these scumbags can do that you know also watching these people do uh you know create many of the scumbags i'm very good friends with would create these magazines and then i also was playing a lot of role-playing games so all the dungeons and dragons stuff my whole life i've been playing since the late 80s i still play and those are purely design so it's designing rule systems designing mechanics designing methods methods of collaboration and then taking all of that art directing the illustration to get into the game world and then putting the books together putting them in boxes creating the experience of opening a box and going through and like what do you get first that was stuff that from when i was a little kid i was starting to internalize because i'm also like i want to do this how do i do this for my friends how did them lead them through an experience and it was all design yeah so those things mixed together are like my creative foundation it's like graffiti and hip-hop shit and all that world and the diy aspect mixed with like the storytelling and design and packaging and story world of role-playing games wow i think that speaks a lot to just everything we've been talking about like i (laughs) mean design as world building tool that's that's what it's all about like you were in this incredible program sort of tangentially Mm -hmm. using it to your own ends like what was the transition point between like oh this is just something that is functional to this is actually a thing i could do more of and like that's the focus you know making posters you just start doing more and more kind of accumulating really bad early stuff that you did because you had to or i did because i had to for friends for myself because we didn't know how else to do it so i became the person that just was doing all of it you'll be there for them and then I was like traveling and competing and performing and like judging dance competitions and stuff. Oh shit. I'm like on a Greyhound going to Arizona to be in a dance competition and coming home. And I wasn't trying to get into college. I wasn't not trying to go to college. I was just like, I'm doing this, all this other stuff that I love. Yeah. And I don't really have time to think about college because I'm doing all this other shit that I love so much. You've got a full life I have, already. I like had a pretty full, pretty exciting creative life yeah um just doing my thing that i naturally fell into which was like dancing making music and supporting friends that did it so i'm 18 it's like 1998 and then one day my mom's like if you don't go to school you can't live here and i was like fine i'm leaving and i left and me and uh one of my scumbag vandal friends moved in together (laughs) with two other people we got an apartment in in, uh, uptown minneapolis 
And all of us were in the creative world in some way. The girls that we lived with that were friends were like doing super cool creative shit. And then my homie was an incredible artist, uh, a fine artist and a graffiti writer who was immensely kind of like famous in the graffiti world. And he's like, I think I'm going to go to school for fine art. And part of it was like, I'm going to move to New York, go to school for fine art. This was him. But also while I'm there... I'm going to write a bunch of graffiti in New York and become famous in New York. And that was his goal. Like, I want to go to New York and become a famous graffiti writer. So I'm telling my parents that I'm going to go there to be in fine art <laughs> school. And he, and he, it's exactly what he did. And he That's... ended up, he ended up being a famous graffiti writer in the early two thousands. He was written up in the village voice. I think it was like 2004 or five. It oh, was like shit. New York's best graffiti writer is this person. Yeah. He like literally achieved his goal in a couple years and no one knew who he was or that he was a, like a little kid from a small town in Minnesota, like a little <laughs> white dude from a small town in Minnesota. He just went out there and like destroyed the city uh, in a, <laughs> in, a, in a cool way like a, like a skateboarder in a diner yeah um and uh it was pretty cool to see him do that but along the way i was like art school you went to art school how's that yeah. you know and then eventually i ended up going to the art institute of minneapolis because it felt like it was going to be like an easy thing to appease my mom and i got there and i treated it like i was doing my own project so i would be doing my own projects at school and i ended up going to three different schools um i kind of flunked out of one got two years into the Art Institute of Minneapolis and I had a teacher there, this guy named Peter, and he was kind of a mentor and he ended up pulling me aside one day and being like, get out of here. <laughs> he's like, wow. he's like, dude, go to MCAD. Like you might have to start over, but it's going to be worth it. Oh shit. Um, but I put my all into that, in, into the Art Institute and just eventually realized that it was pretty placement based. Yeah. And I was trying to do some other stuff. So. It's also like for pay, uh, for I, they're all for yeah, pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all <laughs> they're not they they're not money. Yeah, yeah, they they're not giving me monopoly dollars. Uh, yeah. There's some real dollars in there. It mm -hmm. is mostly monopoly dollars, but like a for-profit university yeah. rather than like a public institution or a private institution that's non-profit. Yeah, um, yeah, it's absolutely what it was, and I think I. I don't know that I understood that. And I think the teacher saw something in me, also saw that I didn't understand that, and kind of one day, like, grabbed me by my face and was like, kid, you gotta get out of here! <laughs> you gotta get out of here! Uh, and, because uh, he used to teach at MCAD. Oh. And I don't know what happened, if he, like, got laid off or whatever, but he was kind of like, yo, I used to teach at MCAD, and it was dope. And I'm not there anymore. He's, like, smoking cig. He's, like, smoking cigarettes. He's like... <laughs> I used to be somebody. <laughs> I go used to be the Mucinex go man. Watch, yeah, go watch. Go walk in the footsteps I could have walked in. And uh, and I, I took some time off. I went to University of Minnesota for a little bit and did creative writing classes. I loved writing. And then I went back to school for graphic design. And and I blasted through MCAD in like three and a half years. Wow. And um, you were just ready. I fucking loved it. it. And I was a little older. I went there and I was like, I know exactly what I want to do. Yeah. I already have a community. I'm already doing all this creative stuff in the city. I was 23. It's like, I'm already doing all this shit. I'm throwing shows. I'm dancing. I'm rapping. I'm making art. So when I came in, I think I was kind of like a mentor to some of the other students at my age. Started little design crews, had a studio earlier than everyone else just because teachers are like, yo, can you have, can you be around the other student? Like, come <laughs> and I, I absolutely loved it. I kind of feel like I would have loved any school I went to. I happened to be at MCAD and I was ready for it. And there was some incredible teachers there. It's the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And I loved too that this place 
at the time because of the curriculum. People like Santiago Piedra Fita, who I believe was our chair of design, who was like a designer and an architect, Brazilian. So you have this like architectural kind of thinking. You know, Kendra Murphy. Kendra's work reminds me a lot of the vibe here uh, at PSU. Oh, um, sure. Print ephemera, kind of a nostalgic look at the past and draw reference for it. But very fun, very bright, very tangible, but all about energy. And then you had people like um, Eric Olson, who started Process Type Foundry, and Emmett Byrne, who like runs all the design at the Walker, was one of my teachers. So you, Damn. a lot of these kind of yeah, I mean, <laughs> all these different. All these different, uh, like uh, the guys from Aesthetic Apparatus, like Danny Barra, he was one of my teachers. So you have like incredible screen printing world. You have like kind of like the PSU vibe via someone like Kendra. And then you have like this architectural, super academic vibe of the Walker stuff, super conceptual and academic. And it's all based on this kind of like holistic Bauhausian um, foundation of thinking. It's like process drives output. It's all about the journey to get there. Don't think about what you're going to make. Work through the problem first, be surprised in the exploration. And that is absolutely, absolutely still how I think of everything. And it's it's pretty cool. It had a, it had a huge effect on me and the community at any school, you know, you leave with a huge community. You leave with a network of peers and colleagues and collaborators like we were talking about last night. And at MCAT, I mean, we were just like, kept hiring each other and recommending each other for gigs. And till this day, a bunch of the MCAT homies and I still put each other on for events, still reference each other. It's like, that's what happens in school. I yeah. mean, you, you are building your network. You're building your network. You're building the foundation for your future. And to be intentional about it and understand that's happening only makes it exponentially more valuable. So like even only being there three years, like what did that environment do to your work? Like how much did it change? Yo. Like what did you, what that, did you know going in? That's a great question. What did it do to my work? Yeah. So before that, my work was was I was doing two different kinds of work. And this is like when I was doing it on my own, basically as a freelancer outside of the Art Institute. So I was doing a bunch of work. One body of work was all in the hip-hop scene. Yeah. Posters, doing CDs for people on like a PCM, bought on a credit card from Best Buy when I was like 19 and sort of teaching <laughs> myself like hacked Photoshop or whatever yeah, Illustrator I think Photoshop. that was exclusively like was there were hell. three licensed <laughs> copies of Photoshop yeah, before yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what I was doing before then, I had this weird idea, like, I, I was raised pretty poor. I'm an only child raised with a single mother, like, of a lower class home. She was always struggling, went back to school later in life. Being an only kid, I had to, like, do my own thing a lot. And I always, always felt, and still kind of feel like an outsider, no matter where I'm at, just because I think that was kind of my life. Um, like, I'm in, I feel like I'm in a lot of different groups, but I feel like I'm not central to anyone. And I don't know, I think that's, like, kind of a valuable place to be in or yeah. thing to be but um i would look at things like uh, like a mucinex no i would look at <laughs> i would look at packaging like advil packaging and i remember being like i have the tools to create something that feels like it's real that yeah. it exists in the world and has a sense of gravity or professionalism or legitimacy that i as a human being never felt like i had yeah and i was like through design i can make a thing that suddenly becomes credible and and um i would try i would just i would i would like i remember living with these people and i would like take a sudafed package and this was, like i wasn't really in school yet i would take a sudafed package and like unroll it or like you know like pull it apart until it's just like flat oh yeah and i would like 
redraw it on a piece of paper and then i'd be like i think i can make a package yeah tracing then, out die lines like, oh trace my out god the die line. so i learned all i learned how to do all this weird shit by like deconstructing things in my home and trying to remake them and then i like redo it in photoshop like all the type in photoshop like take my own pictures on this like tiny shitty eight megapixel camera Wait, so are you actually trying to like create an exact replica of the package in I would, photoshop i would or? create my own versions of it okay so i'd be like i had a friend that would like fall asleep all the time my friend nick that i lived with for a little bit he would like fall asleep all the time during movies and stuff and i made this thing called like sleepy time nick sleepy time nap candy <laughs> and i like uh i just i was like what? i was like this would be funny so i made like a little candy package that said and it looked super real and had like my own illustration of him like as a vector character and said like nick sleepy time nap candy and then i like, put candies in it I like put candies in it and like put it on the counter and I was like, yo, there's a gift for you. And I just like make it in a day for fun. And he'd come out and be like, what the fuck? And like the intent, and this is before I went to school, like doing these fun little, it was a game. It was a project just to give somebody. And, and I remember the incredible amount of joy. Oh he got God. a gift. I got to feel like I could add value and like fun to his life. And it was through design, through making these things to, to like give away. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so two kinds of design besides the nap candy shit. It was like stuff for the hip hop homies that I feel could add value to them and enrich the experience for anyone that was like looking at their music. Yeah. That work that you'd been doing since high school. Work that I've been doing since high school. So CDs, posters, T-shirts. Yeah. Not good in retrospect, but I was trying. You were so learning. So that stuff was learning. And then the other stuff, I was doing illustration. So I was doing illustration for local magazines. I started doing stuff for like, some stuff for City Pages, which is the like Weekly Rag in Minneapolis. Oh, damn. Doing stuff. And then doing stuff for like The Wake, which was a student magazine at the University of Minnesota. There was my very first illustration job. Oh, my God. It was for a music magazine that this guy named Mark Baumgarten started. And I reached out to him and I was like, can I be down? And he was like, we're not going to pay you, but sure. And uh, it was, oh, I can't remember the name of the magazine. It was legendary. I mean, um, ba- Baumgarten almost sounds like a pretty cool Yeah. <laughs> Baumgarten. Yeah. Um, what did his ancestors do? They they bombed gardens? Baum is tree and garden is garden. Oh, it's tree garden. Well, that's... Is that a garden if it's trees? It's a forest. Yeah, I think there is a term for that and it is forest. <laughs> Yeah, shout Bad out job. Mark, shout out Mark Baumgartner. He's still around. I think he's in LA now. Get with it, German. You don't have to make all words as long as possible. Yeah. You don't have to run a whole sentence into... <laughs> hey, German language. Chill. Chill no, a love, little bit. Yo, I love a complicated German compound title. I love it. I love <laughs> with it. With a couple of those double S's that are... Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I forget what that's called. Like the word Strasse that has the little double S Of thing. course. It looks like an F... Right, but it's a couple that S's. did not have a lowercase until like ten years ago, if yeah. I recall. Yeah, super cool. So yeah, those were the two bodies of work. It was a bunch of illustration, which was like pen ink, and then the other work was like hip hop shit. So the hip hop shit was super hip hop, and then the illustrations were like we needed to illustrate something that represents the feeling of students coming back to campus, and we think it should be like bright and bird co- <laughs> like bird stuff. And I'd be like, oh, I can draw birds, like cool. or I'd be like. Or be like, hey, we need this illustration of like this politician that is going to be governor and we don't think he's cool. So you have to draw him like in a 
bad way. And I'd be like, cool, political satire funnies. I can do that. How, I was about, how much time were you given for these illustration projects? Knowing so, it wasn't it wasn't like an editorial for the New York Times where you're ripping them in the morning yeah. for like a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> I would have like a week and um I'd, oh, make, okay. I'd make these big, really complicated like micron pen drawings. Oh damn, were, old like, school illustration like, shit. Almost like Albrecht Durer level of, of wow. pen and ink. No joke. Like that was my whole thing. Like Micron O2, which I've been using for like twenty five years. Very and it would pen. be like super intense, detailed pen and ink drawings. Wow. And then like fucking around in Illustrator and making like crazy big graph lettering for all the hip hop stuff. And that was before I went through college and kind of had to learn to let go. I had to shed all those things that I thought I wanted to do and learn about concepting, storytelling and like... Uh, <laughs> I this like intense love of mythology and stories and and anthropology and human history and now I was like oh graphic design is just a lens for me to view the world like graphic design is just like I've already been doing like all it is is a a, a tool set for me to explore anything that I want and I want to explore role playing games and stories and connecting to people and how music can bring people together I became medium agnostic really quick I started sewing I started doing performance art I started making oh, music in a totally different way and I was surrounded by people that all did the same stuff like um, pushing each other yeah it's art school yeah like, I'm an art school that's the point what am, yeah what am I gonna do in art school and I was a graphic designer I'm a BFA in graphic design but I'm in art school and and as a graphic designer I'm like I'm gonna paint I'm gonna make I would make these big um, I was sewing a lot so like for one project I made this huge seven foot tall felt uh, self portrait as as a as a werewolf and like ripping, ripping the entrails out of a like, and it was all kind of looked like a Muppet. Like I love Muppets. So I made like this giant kind of Muppet thing. Um, this is tormenting me that I cannot see. Oh, there's picture, I think I have pictures of it on my old Flickr that's archived. Um, yes, yes, yes. And yes, it was yes. like everything was an experiment. I'm going to try wow. doing that. But the concept was always super strong. Like the werewolf thing was about me dealing with being an only child and about being a Mexican-American. And it ended up being something you see and you're like, that's funny. And then you read the story about it and you're like, oh, interesting. There's you know? a depth here. I was very proud. I won the like graphic design thesis scholarship where you get like eight thousand dollars and a oh, bunch shit. of yeah it was cool a bunch of graphic designers get to come together and do this kind of like scholarship show in the hallways so many people there did so much incredible work incredibly thoughtful thorough detail-oriented academic design ass work capital d design. like huge thick beautiful books that were like this is a very specific person but like the history of cinema via screen grabs and it was like the best design like walker style tome you've ever seen made by a kid that's like 22 and it's like fucking incredible and there's just one copy of it one copy to be fair the person that made that i was incredibly intimidated by and has done incredible work but that's the kind of work that i'm surrounded by in this thoughtful conceptual design school so i was like i know that mcat has given me a new tool so how do i showcase that and show the teachers that what i'm getting from them is working and it's not only working in school but it's working out of school so you can only show eight projects and you have a part of the wall. So it has to be like a gallery. So you're actually, you have a part of a wall in a hallway. Oh, wow. Ceilings are 13 feet tall. You have 10 feet of space and there's 20 students that are showing in this like one long hallway. So just walking down, looking at these slices of people. It's kind of like, be honest, but you're not there. Yeah. So how do you contextualize it without being there? And I 
I remember, and this has become part of my process when I do gallery shows or when I create a space. I remember sitting there the whole night on the ground looking at the space, just staring at it, like meditating. And over time, just like in the silence, it was just like, and it just all ended up snapping together. So then the next morning in this fury of explosive like creativity, I printed out these three different banners and each one was like a different body of work. So like huge print banner, the one on the left went floor to ceiling and at the top it had the title and it was like like this kind of work. Middle was like this kind of work, right? It was like this kind of work. And then on each one I had shelves with the different work that fell within there. And then at the end, it was how it all came together to create a larger body of work or a larger like thought process. And one of the things that I did was I was one of the only kids that had a like finished website in like 2005. (laughs) And that was one of my projects. And I'd done a lot of work up until then. So that project showcased all the work that I'd already done. (laughs) Which So that became a portal into dozens of other projects and thinking and illustration and the cool thing and this is something i'm super proud of is i ended up winning and i was over the moon having won because so much of it didn't feel like other people's work to me none of it felt good enough and the fact that that was seen as valuable i realized that that thinking that amount of work that effort and that care especially care about other people is what won and and i've never forgotten that shit and then years later my very good friend Anton Pearson, who's about my age, and he went to school later than I did. I think he went to school like eight years later than I did. He hit me up and was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to go back to school for graphic design at MCAD. I like the kind of shit you're doing. And when he got to be, I think, a junior or senior or whatever, he was like, yo, I'm thinking about doing that senior thesis thing. He's like, I know you won a couple of years ago. Do you have any hints? And, and I helped him a little bit, kind of like, hey, maybe here's how you think of it. Here's how you structure it. And he ended up winning. And I'm like, wow, I'm not because of me, but I was like, <laughs> Like, here are the things that I found valuable and here's how I communicated them. But knowing that we had a similar paradigm of how we, of what we did being between music, culture, community, his background is really interesting. And he has a very beautiful approach to life, very thoughtful, very holistic in how he thinks about human beings and and incredibly kind. And that is a part of his work. I'm like, yo, make sure that comes out of all the work, you know, like, like push that, push that, push, push that. And it did. Yeah. It was just like super stoked, super proud because it felt like it felt like the continuation of a weird lineage you yeah know? <laughs> it's like well, and I, I think i mean that i feel like is so so important to connect with like where we were at last night like yeah because totally. i think in both of those cases like you were like he was being honest with who he actually is as a practitioner and how he thinks of problems and you you were like what what is going to be the most meaningful yeah. in this weird sliver of a space that I've been totally. given and tell them most about the story of the journey that I've been on here and like it was different than what everyone else was doing but it was true to who you are and that is so important to convey because when you are not who you are people can see it and yeah it makes the work weaker. Um, that's why that event is called be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not like honest critique. It's be honest with who you are in showing off the stuff that you're making. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I wasn't there when it's <laughs> yeah. that's the rationale that I have for it though. I think that was it. And it's interesting too, because in that era in the mid two thousands, that was before social media existed like it exists now. So yeah, um, design it, was very undercover in a mm-hmm. weird way. Like yeah, you had a lot of magazines. You had the beginnings of the. I mean, kind of like the beginnings of the internet. Yeah, you know, like a lot of the sites that we all referenced are from the early two thousands. Like yeah. some of the first big flash sites and shit like that were early two thousands. But then you had this culture of like, auteur designer slash illustrators like 
Cody Hudson's original work. You know, like these oh, people yeah. that bridged the worlds of like, I can do gallery stuff. I can do, I can have a voice as a creative with a single like aesthetic, but I also can do a bunch of album covers and book design and be creative director at a magazine. Like those people in that style of person was blooming in the early 2000s so i was looking at those people and being like oh that's possible you can explore yourself creatively and you can also make money and (laughs) do all this other stuff the weird thing is that then like it was very dichotomous like it was literally dichotomous it was binary where for example cody hudson who was a huge influence on me he also had a company called struggle inc which was himself and i'm going to be completely honest in like 2004 i thought struggle inc was the coolest thing ever and the pressure as a name might be kind of inspired by the name struggle inc i'm like struggle me too um uh i don't know if i don't know if i've ever told anyone that before but hey we're being honest i but wow cody, cody hudson had a website later where his website was literally binary and one part of it was like Cody Hudson, designer. And on the other side of the website, literally on the right side, like right justified, it was like Cody Hudson, artist. And you clicked one and it took you to art and you clicked the other one and it took you to design. And I remember being like, I don't know. I don't know if I want that to be me. Yeah. Like, I understand for him why he wants to do it. Like, I love Cody Hudson. I talked to him once in a while and he's incredibly inspiring. It's cool to see this dude evolve into an adult and a business owner and a creator of platforms that has a, a rich artistic thing still going. But at the time for me, I'm like, I don't like that those things are binary. Yeah. I wish I could be an entity that doesn't need to separate because there's weird cognitive dissonance with separation. Yeah. And you've been through that. Like, that's where you started doing that totally. like, aesthetic code switching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. I just told you there were two bodies of work. Yeah. Yeah. Like once you unite them, like what's the point of splitting them up again? Yeah, totally. It, it pushes both things to be more things. What yeah. a good sentence that was. Yeah, synth- <laughs> I think there was some meaning in there. A creative synthesis, if you will. Yeah. Where, that's, yeah. where the two pieces come together to be something more distinct and unique, uh, a whole greater than the sum of their parts that is distinctly me yeah voltron or wait what'd you say i don't know <laughs> it's like the mystics i got the voltron Stuxies. in my head now yeah. i can't shake it i was thinking of uh i'm a big dark crystal fan big brian froud jim henson fan oh sure um dark crystal <laughs> say oh sure again what you said oh sure you said it <laughs> i don't know i think that might be my catchphrase because i i have to edit 500 of those out of every episode oh sure, oh, sure. yeah there's a part at the end of dark crystal uh, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Content warning slash spoiler alert. Well, we've already spoiled the movie Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> um, Those viewers have turned out yet. Tuned out? I My brain may not are, be Should we good. wrap up soon? <laughs> hey, I have to go to... Sean, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Oh, my God. Okay. Let me it's, go to the bathroom. Uh, okay. Should we... Let's wrap up. So, Adam, if people want to find more about your work, where do they do that? Where are the things that you want them to look at and think about? It's a great question, Sean. It's phrased well, too. Yeah. Well, my website is Adam rgarcia.studio it's yes. kind of I mean it's my website all, all it is right now is like basically a sign in the door that says like come back later it's like <laughs> it's like the, so the standard designer website yeah, yes. it's, it's like uh, it's like hey here's, here's what I do here's some links and then there's like a quote one of my favorite quotes that's my website and then like a link to buy one thing um, for now 
But that has a good kind of introduction overview. It's you can also reach it at Adam Studio. We'll link to it. I bought Damn. that years ago. I know I was early. early. That's a good buy. Yeah, Adam Studio at Adam R Garcia is my like Insta. It's probably the place that I'm the most engaged with, posting stories, sharing stuff supporting homies like whatever and that's kind of it you can check out a podcast that i have called dope excerpts which is very good thanks it's well produced unlike this show no i i guarantee it's not as well produced it's actually been really rocky i only have 13 episodes up i'm gonna put more up and and what that is it's actual excerpts from texts books that i love magazines essays that i read and i read them and give them a little bit of context and say why i think they're important and a lot of the time i'll reach out to the authors themselves like i read a bit of Chuck Klosterman's book, But What If We're Wrong? And I reached out to Chuck Klosterman on Twitter. I DM'd them and I was like, hey, I have this podcast. Can I read this? And he's like, go for it, bro. Oh my God. And I love Chuck Klosterman so much. Um, it was cool that he got back to me. So yeah, stuff like that. Anyway, Dope Excerpts is my, my little podcast. Thing. Go check it out. Check go out subscribe. At Adam R. Garcia and check out Adam.studio slash Wait, no, not slash. Adam <laughs> dot studio. Slash, or, slash, did I do that for 15% <laughs> off your purchase? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of it. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for being here. Um, and for that great promo code for everybody. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> If you out there, the listener, enjoyed listening to the show, which is the thing that we do traditionally to media that we listen to, I don't think there's a different way to experience it yet. But anyway, please leave a review of the show on uh, the service that you use. Apple Podcasts is one that is very popular for doing exactly that. Shout out Apple Podcasts. Related related to the Apple Music family of products. Right. Services represent. Yeah. um, I, I enjoy it. I find it to be a wonderful service for finding new podcasts and if you want to help people find our podcast the more people who uh, write about it and give it reviews that are good it will take it to the top of the list you can also tell a friend about the show IRL because your friends probably also listen to podcasts and if they want to just take their ears on a journey to the world of design but have a jokey time this is probably the show for them follow us on various services you can get to those services from our website did I do that dot design um, um, and, uh, also I'm starting up a Patreon for the show. And, uh, with that, you'll, you know, just $5 a month, you know, you can contribute to the production of the show and also get some special stuff. Uh, I think if I get enough people going with that, I might do some, some special extra podcasts just oh. for you. Sean, you know, I know that this is your time to talk, but I got to say that that Patreon and only $5 a month sounds like a small price to pay for such an incredible amount of content and value. And it's, it's an incredible deal. It, your investment in this program can really create dividends for the education of your community. I'm trying to just think up words when PBS <laughs> Pledge drives yeah. now. We'll be back to Are You Being Served in a minute, but are you being served by your public television station? Of course you are. That's why we're here today asking for donations. You don't like this. We don't like this. But we need this. And the sooner you donate, the sooner we'll go away. It's like a hostage negotiation, the PBS pledge drive. Uh, anyway, shout yeah. Out, shout out PBS. <laughs> we love PBS. PBS. We do, actually. Love PBS. I love PBS. Yeah. Even though Antiques Roadshow looks like it's shot with just like phone cameras now. <laughs> 
Imagine, you know, buying a real camera antiques roadshow. Jeez. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as always, we say, Your project is greenlit. Go for it, Phoebe television show. But you do have to be shot through the lens of. Altoids? Was that what we said? No, cough drops. Cough drops. <laughs> cough, drops. <laughs> cough drops. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it attacked me. All right. <laughs> that's, that's all the nonsense. I mean, I feel like that was kind of a prescient movie. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a wet Mad Max, you know? <laughs> uh, only, only done wet very poorly. Yeah. Wet, wet Max. Yeah, that's the new brand of, uh, I, I believe, gentle bathroom wipes. Yeah. I feel like you can't hear your mustache. <laughs> like I can see it, but you can't hear it. And that's a good thing. I mean, not that your mustache is a bad thing. It's not. It's a fine thing. Sure. But you can't hear the mustache. So I shouldn't go full walrus then and just, you know, mustache in mouth at all times, bits of food in mustache. Um, I don't know. I mean, full walrus. Late 19th century president levels of mustache. Full walrus would be a great podcast. It's like you and uh, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Wilford, Wilford Brimley is not alive anymore. No, he would be a hard get, I would say. Yeah, rest in peace. Shout out Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Yo, RIP. We, we stand a legend who tried to get diabetes medications delivered directly to your home, he even in, though he could not pronounce the word diabetes. He was, well, you can't pronounce the word with his mustache. No. It's, it's impossible. The phonetics don't work through that baleen-like filter of hair. <laughs>